you take your Bibles, go with me to two places. I want you to go to Luke 22. Let's switch, Ryan, if we will. <clears throat> Luke 22. Then we're going to read one verse in 2 Corinthians 5 and 21. Guys, we'll take the offering at the end. We're going to go right on to the word right now. Father, we just thank you, Lord, for your merciful kindness. Holy Spirit, lead me, Lord. Show me, Lord. Let your anointing, Lord God, crush every yoke. In Jesus' name. Let the anointing teach us, Lord God. Let the anointing lead us, Lord. Oh. Holy Spirit, we love you and we thank you for your presence. In Jesus' name. Now, for those of you that responded today and those of you that were out there, I know you're here. And you're like, I'm, I don't know if I got it in me to respond to the, because to, I understand the cost and I'm not sure if I'm at that place. It's all right. I'm hoping that by the time we end this service today that you will understand that you don't source this thing. In fact, I was called two and a half years before I ever told Andrea that I was called to, to the ministry. And I said, Lord, I'm, I won't go unless you call my whole family. And I, I never have been a person to try to push my way into a situation to say, hey, uh, I've got this thing, it's called a call, and I need, you to, I, I need you to validate that. I just take another approach and just step back and say, Lord, if it's you, it'll happen. I will do what I'm told to do, I will do what I'm called to do, but Lord, if there's a door open, you'll open, because I don't want to go through a door that God hadn't opened. I, I pushed my way into some doors, and I, I regretted the doors that I pushed open. So I'd just rather wait on God to open those doors. But see, we get to the place where we have to begin to fathom as minister of the Gospels. We have to begin to understand the sourcing of our strength, our might, our calling, our purpose, it's not sourced in us, in our abilities and inabilities. It's sourced in God. I, I so appreciate as, as uh, Andrea and Jesse and I have been working on a, uh, some, some, we were talking about vision statement and mission statement, and she pointed out something as being the fresh team member here. She said, you know, you've got connecting to God, Connecting to people, people connecting people to God, people to people, and people to purpose. We were looking for that fourth connection, and she said, you know, we, what do you think about connecting people to freedom? I thought, what an observation. Because what we talk about is connecting to freedom. And it's going to become more relevant to you as the days go by, but understand this. In order, when we connect people to God, as you come in and you felt his presence, what does the Lord want to do? He wants to connect us to freedom. And we need this freedom in order to, uh, to, to apprehend or, or to apprehend those, those right relationships and the, the right understanding and, and who we are in Christ and who we should be. See, because so many times we bring our, our baggage and our bondage into the next relationship, and it doesn't do a lot of good in that relationship. We're looking for more geography, and what we need is a, is a heart change. 
We need to connect to the freedom that God has afforded us. And then we build healthy relationships. And then we are about our purpose. See, I can't be about my purpose if I'm always lingering around in my, 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 my insecurity and my inferiority and my self-hatred and my, 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 my. I got to get to him. I got to get to him. I want to be as free as a person can be and still be here. So you are called, those of you that responded, those of you that should have responded, you're called to this ministry of reconciliation. It is for freedom God has set you free. I want you to look here in 2 Corinthians 5, 21. For he made him, who is the him? Jesus, who knew no sin to be sin for us. That we might become not that we would, but that we might become the righteousness of God in ourselves. Are we righteous outside of him? We're only righteous in him. That we might become, we have the opportunity to become the righteousness of God through him. Now, in the synoptic gospel, we see Matthew and Mark give the garden account. Luke condenses it. Now John goes straight from the priestly prayer straight over into the betrayal in the garden. But I want to look at Luke's account here as we begin to discover that Jesus became sin for us. If we can begin to comprehend what he had become is what he was not, we, then we can begin to understand that he made us into what we were not. Let me say that again, maybe in a better way. Jesus became what he was not so that I could become what I was not. Righteousness became unrighteousness so that I, who am unrighteous, could become righteous. So here in Luke's account, Luke 22, beginning in verse 39, it says, Coming out, he went to the Mount of Olives as he was accustomed, and his disciples followed him. And when he came to the place, he said to them, pray that you may not enter into temptation. And he was withdrawn from them about a stone's throw. And he knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if it is your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Verse 43, then an angel appeared to him from heaven, strengthening him. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. Then his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. When he rose up from prayer and had come to his disciples, he found them sleeping from sorrow. Then he said to them, why do you sleep? Rise and pray, lest you enter into temptation. So you look here to the Word of God, 
what we see is that Luke condensed that. Matthew and Mark, they gave uh, the actual location as to where Jesus was on the Mount of Olives. It was a garden called the Garden of Gethsemane, which means wine pressed. Folks, it all began in a garden. It all began in a garden, and as we're looking at this, what we're seeing is that we, we will discover is this is when Jesus began to become sin for us. It all began in a garden. What was relinquished in a garden had to be restored in a garden. Do you know what garden I'm talking about? The Garden of Eden. What was lost in a garden had to be found in a garden. What was forfeited in a garden had to be restored in a garden. Now the first Adam forfeited eternal and internal righteousness for all humanity. The righteousness that God had given to humanity was lost, but the last Adam, but I know who I'm talking about. Jesus is called the last Adam. The last Adam restored this eternal and internal righteousness to all humanity. That would receive it. The first Adam left us without choice by choosing for us. See, you didn't have a choice, you were just, the choice was made for you. You were born into a world of sin. Some of you have been horrifically abused, and those choices were not yours. You're just a recipient of that abuse. But let me say to you today the last Adam allows choice by his choice. And now I can choose as I enter in. I didn't have a choice before him, but now, thanks be to God, I have a choice as to how I will disseminate the life that I am to live. And what comes to me and tries to get in me, let me tell you, God has given us the ability to be overcomers by becoming sin for us. The first Adam was banished from paradise, but the last Adam welcomes us to paradise. The first Adam's choices left the garden filled with thorns. The last Adam wore the thorns to restore the flourishing garden. The first Adam left us alienated and separated from the Father. See, when we are born into a world of sin and sin is all around us and that nature of sin is within us, what happens is we automatically feel in our alienated mind we feel completely separated from the father please stop with the bottle thank you but when we enter into relationship with God he now doesn't separate us from the father in fact he welcomes us back to the father see the first Adam the first Adam church was placed in a garden. The last Adam has the garden in him. See, the garden that is within him is meant to be the garden that is within you. That garden that flourishes, that garden that didn't require any work to produce fruit. It was a garden that, that God intended in us and through us. See, the Garden of Eden didn't require any work. It produced the fruit because it was the Garden of God. See, 
those of you that responded to the call, you don't have to go out and try to convince people you're called. You just be who you're called to be in Christ, and that call will just bear witness of itself. It'll just begin to flourish all by itself without any effort. It's abiding in the vine. It's not struggling against the vine. It's abiding in the vine to produce the fruit. Now, as we look here, as we see that Jesus became sin for us, he who knew no sin, my God, we've got to get that in our knowers. He who knew no sin became sin for us. He became unrighteousness for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Unrighteousness, if you're a note taker, write this down. Unrighteousness is the inability to stand in the Father's presence due to fear, condemnation, and inferiority. Unrighteousness is the inability to stand in the presence of the Father due to fear, condemnation, and inferiority. If you're a child of the living God, that's not God's intent and purpose for you. If you're suffering from inferiority, it is because you have not come to the realization of the righteousness of Christ in you and you in him. Righteousness, write this down, righteousness is the ability to stand in the Father's presence without the sense of fear, condemnation, or inferiority. It's the the righteousness of God. See, as I told you Wednesday night, the righteousness in Malachi, Jesus is given this descriptive title, the son of righteousness. The son of righteousness. The S-U-N of righteousness. The reason the Lord gives us that is descriptive so that we can understand as important as the S-U-N is to the earth, the righteousness of the S-O-N in the heart of man is that important. If you don't have the sun shining, death will incur upon this earth. There will be a frozen terrain, nothing will grow, and death will follow. But when we begin to understand that the right standing before God, the, 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 the righteousness, the divine approval, the, the state in which I'm supposed to exist, the walking in the approval of God is as important to me and to you as the sun shining in our world. See, but we gotta, we've got to understand the definition of righteousness. It's not what I wear. It's not the length of my hair. It's not the bias of my stare. It's knowing that I am in Christ and Christ is in me and I am approved and accepted of God. Because of the choice that he made. Now, I'm, there's some, been some personal misunderstanding 
that I've had with the revelation of Jesus in the garden. And I just want to share that with you today. Is that all right? As, as I look here, I want us to start here, as, as Luke pointed out, Jesus being in agony. He was in agony. As he was there in the garden, he knew, I don't believe his disciples knew, he knew that the hour had come and he would become sin and he would be nailed to a cross for the sins of every nation and every generation. And being in that agony, it wasn't that Jesus was faltering over the will of the Father. He never wavered, but he maintained the superiority over that natural recourse, a recall of, of the human nature for, against pain and death. See, if the cross wasn't dread to him, then his sacrifice would not truly be a sacrifice, would it? In other words, he was about to face the, 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 the heinous crime of a criminal, but he did not commit any sins. He was being prepared. He was going to be nailed to that cross. And yes, his humanity in those moments, because he was the perfect human sacrifice, his humanity in those moments realized the dread that was about to take place. And he felt that. But he didn't let it penetrate his will. He said, no. I love what one of the gospels said. Lord, Father, within your ability is to do anything, anything. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. So there's a struggle that's real. Now, this was the personal misunderstanding of the agony. See, Adam sinned and death followed. Adam came into this world, and the Lord said, the moment you eat thereof, it's sin, you know it, don't do it, and the minute you do, death is going to follow you. But see, when Jesus came into the world, he was sinless. He was sinless. So the only way Jesus could die is he had to become sin. He had to borrow death by becoming sin. It's the only way he could die. That's strictly from the Word of God. If you sin, death follows. We are born into a world of death. But if the only way Jesus would, was going to die is he had to become sin, the sacrifice of sin. Now, as I look at this, what I begin to comprehend is this. Jesus' struggle as I believe many of us uh, have probably walked this trail and had this somewhat measure of misunderstanding, is that Jesus every day was tempted, yet without sin. So we take that to mean that he's constantly pushing back against this sin nature. And ultimately he conquers it when he rises from the dead. That is a misunderstanding of what was taking place. 
See, because he was not born a, a sinner, he was born the righteousness of the Father. He didn't have the nature of a sinner, he had the nature of the righteous one. And so the struggle in the garden wasn't uh, trying to resist a sinful nature. His struggle was becoming what he was not. Does that not change everything? You mean to tell me Jesus walked the face of the earth as a human? As a new species and creature? Did not have sin? Crouching about? In his heart, telling him that you don't watch out, you're going to fail, and you're going to falter, and the Father will push you out. Let me tell you the reason we know this. Because if Jesus would have sinned one time, the deal was off. It was off. If he had the nature of sin, the deal was off. He had to be a perfect sacrifice and the only way to be the perfect sacrifice was to be without sin and the only way to be without sin is you've got to have a nature that is not sinful so see the struggle there was as human sacrifice he was becoming what he was not Oh, Father, I pray this makes sense to us. For me, this changes everything. For me, this changes everything. Because Jesus was not walking in a state of being, trying to, uh, trying to combat this old nature of sin. No. He was walking as the righteousness of the Father. And as he's walking in the righteous, the approval of God, he is now in the garden as the garden revealed to us from the beginning that the garden was the very place in which man forfeited all the inheritance and the relationship. We find Jesus in this garden of Gethsemane. Now he's struggling over becoming what he's not. Oh my God, church, that's better than what you even comprehend. Think about it. Jesus walked the face of the earth. He wasn't tempted. He was, he was there. So as we look here to the Word of God, I want you to notice something. His, the sweat became like great drops of blood falling to the ground. Could you go with me to Genesis 3? Are you getting anything out of this this morning? Look with me in Genesis 3. Great drops of blood. His sweat became great, great drops of blood. I want you to notice something here. Genesis 3, verses 17. Then to Adam he said, the first Adam, then to Adam he said, because you have heeded the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree which I commanded you, saying, you shall not eat of it, cursed is the ground for your sake, in toil you shall eat, all the days of your life, both thorns and thistles it shall bring forth to you. You shall eat the herb of the field, and in the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken, for dust you are, 
and dust you shall return. Are you ready? Out of the sweat you shall toil. Adam was forsaken from the garden. Jesus comes to bring the garden back into us. Now his blood was poured forth from his sweat. <laughs> what was the result of sweat? Work, toil. You got to work to get this thing to produce. You got to work to make this thing happen. You got to work. But oh, when Jesus came, he's not just bringing us uh, to a garden. He's just not in a garden. The Garden of Gethsemane, the wine press, the pressure is being put upon him. And in the midst of that pressure, even Leonardo da Vinci, he, he even said uh, and described soldiers that would go out to battle uh, who would have this condition where their sweat would become blood, but their sweat had no redemptive power. But oh, let me tell you, where the blood begins to pour out, there is power. And in that garden, God is showing you and I that, wait a minute, you're not going to have to toil and labor to be in relationship with me anymore. You're not going to have to toil and labor in order to have the fruit of the garden of the goodness and the flourishing of God. Oh, no, there is something transpiring right now. I am becoming sin for you. And as a result of that, the blood begins to pour out of the sweat, out of the toil, out of the labor. And no! We are free. I know that's better than what I'm even expressing to you, but can you see for a moment uh, there in the Word of God uh, how that we have been given uh, a bill of goods telling us uh, that if you'll just get good enough, uh, you'll have all the goodness of God. Uh, and all He's saying to you and I is you born the man of dust. But you're going to bear the man image of the man of heaven? We came into this with the first Adam reality. But let me tell you, when you become born again, brothers and sisters in Christ, you are now part of a new breed of individuals called the, the last Aramaic group. Amen? Ademic, I'm sorry. The last Adamic group. See, if we see the Word of God in its entirety and we begin to discover, see, the resurrection begins, the stories here in the garden. Jesus steps in after living a victorious life. He, he wasn't subject, he, he was human, but he also had, as Andrea pointed out, I, I, I've got a source of power that, that maybe you don't have, and I, 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 can, I can draw from this resurrected power, I can walk on water. I, uh, there's coming a day, and we'll get into this deeper, but there's coming a day where there's walls built up. You don't have to march around to shout them down. You'll just be able to walk right through them. But, but we see here in the Word of God how that, how that here, we, we, the Lord told us from the very beginning because he didn't want us to miss it. He didn't want us to miss it. That natural thorns that are out there as a result of sin... That ground that won't produce the fruit without hard labor. 
that willpower that you just keep trying to will and just trying to get it to obey? I hate diets, <laughs> as you can tell. Amen. Amen. I've decided I'm not going to eat less. I'm just going to move more. <laughs> See if that works. But every time I try to restrict myself, that's of everything I want. I will eat no more cheesecake. Oh my gosh, I want a cheesecake. <laughs> I didn't eat breakfast this morning, so I'm getting real hungry, and I'm going to cut it off short in a minute. But see, as much as I will, I can't will this thing into existence. My will is involved. But when I choose now, hey, I'm going to stop laboring and I'm going to enter into his rest. I, I'm going to stop tooling and laboring and I'm getting out of this garden and I'm going to a new garden. In fact, I want the new garden living on the inside of me. What was lost in the garden was restored in the garden. And what we see in the garden is that where sin came in in the natural, let me tell you in, the, in a garden in the natural there was something spiritual taking place because Jesus Christ's agony was not just being nailed to a cross because many people had been nailed to a cross and burned at the stake. He felt the dread of that. There was something so much more. He was coming what he was not and he had never known the omniscient one had never known what it meant to be unrighteous but he was now taking my inferiority my condemnation my guilt upon him and he said I'm gonna step it paid in full You know how rude it would be if somebody invited you to their house and they laid out a, 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 a we're going the food route, okay, so hang with me. I feel your pain. They tooled and labored all day, and they had a, a feast prepared. Uh, they had uh, the, the, the brisket smoking on the br on the, uh, out on the fire pit all night, and it just fell apart in your hands. And those potatoes were not al dente. I don't like al dente mashed potato or, or baked potatoes. Do you? I mean, if I want to eat them raw, I go to the I go to the cupboard and pull it out and eat it. I want it I want it mushy, like you drop it and it just splatters on your plate. They had that potato prepared. They had the vegetables laid out. That gravy was what we call foo foo. If you don't know what foo foo is, you ain't had gravy. It's that added touch and measure. It's about the right size. Woo! Yes. And it all laid out. You walked in, and the aroma of it was intoxicating. Whew. I'm getting real hungry now. <laughs> they had it all laid out, waiting on you. But you came in, and you refused to eat. Oh, child of living God. There's a banquet table sitting before us in the presence of our enemies. And the Lord bids you come. And the church that understands righteousness bids you come. And if taste and see that the Lord is good. But see, when I begin to comprehend that when Jesus Christ struggled in the garden he was struggling over what he was not Jesus could only give 
what he was. He could not give righteousness if there was any unrighteousness in him. He can only give what he was. If he sinned, we were finished. If he had a sin nature, the deal was off. There would be no redemption and there would be no righteousness. Jesus gave righteousness. The righteous blood of Jesus. How could a child be born without the Adamic curse upon it? How could a child be born without sin so that he could stand in the presence of God without guilt or inferiority? M.R. Dehan, M.D., wrote in The Chemistry of the Blood, he said, it is definitely known that the blood does not come from the mother. The blood comes from the fetus after it's been fertilized by the father. See, the blood that coursed through Jesus' veins were not from his natural stepfather, Joseph. Got time for a funny story? Went to church camp, kids camp one time, and I was bunking with some, we went in partnership with, with another church friend of mine where I used to be the youth pastor. This young man, probably seven years old, he was in there. And we were trying to explain my connection to the church. So the pastor told him, said, yeah, he used to be the youth pastor of the church, but now I'm the youth pastor of the church. And the little seven-year-old looked up at me and he said, oh, you're my step pastor. <laughs> he framed it in his little mind. <laughs> I just agreed, yes, I'm your step pastor. But see, the blood is sourced from the Father. So the Father's blood coursed through Jesus' veins. He was not of the Adamic fallen nature. He was the Heavenly Father's nature. So he walked this earth in the righteousness of the Father. I have borne the image of the man of dust. Not when I get over there, but now, church, we are to bear the image of the righteous one. How do we do that? We do that by walking in him. We can't do it without him. He's the only one who hasn't failed. So what I need to do is I need to walk in him. I need to walk in the knowledge that he's already taken care of it. I've got to walk in the knowledge that he's already sourced it. I've got to walk in the knowledge. See, ministry, hear me, church, ministry cannot validate you. If you're looking for ministry to validate your insecurity, you have entered into a lost cause. You cannot work enough to find any internal 
acceptance that you were looking for. But let me tell you, God has called you to be yourself in him and him in you. And you don't need validation anymore because you've already been validated. Because you're already accepted. And now you're walking in freedom. Now you're taking the message that too many have taken and they have said, okay, you're the righteousness of God, but now you got all this stuff. Let me roll out the scroll. Let's start here. You got to get the stars in Sunday school. You've got to get to, uh, you got to have, to, you got to have the, your hair this long and your clothes this way and you can't wear it. If we could do all that to begin with, then why did Jesus die to start with? So if by grace you're saved through faith, and that not of yourself, it's a gift. The Bible also says to you and I, righteousness is a gift. I have to receive that gift and walk in that gift. Oh. See, the blood, Jesus gave us the ability to overcome self, and I won't get into the, I got eight more points, but I'm going to stop. Because you're hungry. I know it. I can feel it. You're starving. You're starving, Marvin. I know. In closing, for the record, this is my first close. How much different does our victory change knowing that Jesus lived his life without sin, without a sin nature? And now, because he rose again on that third day, he imparts a gift to us. It's a new nature. That's shrouded by my, our misunderstanding of where we've been, what we've been through, the circumstances, the voices, the, 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 the culture, all of those things shroud our understanding. We are, as Andrew said this morning in life class, we are as righteous at the beginning as we are at the end. We have righteousness bestowed upon us. How much different would your life be if you knew at this very moment that all the things that happened to you were not because God hates you? What if you knew at this moment that you're truly, wholly, completely accepted in Jesus Christ? And that now you can walk not in inferiority, not in condemnation and not in guilt. You don't have to live in fear. The revelation of righteousness has, brings freedom from fear. See, Jesus became everything that he was not so that we could become everything that we were not. Stand. Father, we come before you today. Worship team, make your way up. My Lord, my God, my Savior, my King, worthy is the Lord. Worthy is the Lord. Worthy is the Lord Almighty. Worthy is the Lord Almighty. Father, we thank you, Lord. 
Now, if you leave this house believing that what I'm saying to you is that you can continue in a self-destructive behavior, you've missed the point. But the Bible says, awake to righteousness and sin no more. Jesus didn't give the woman who was caught in adultery a pass to say when she came and, and he, he had her confess what it was that she was revealed what she had come out of. He said, go, sin no more. Why? Because you have been awakened to righteousness. You don't have to go and bend down with somebody trying to find some measure of acceptance anymore. You don't have to go and solicit this one and that one trying to find validation. I'll validate you through my blood. You're free. Now go and sin no more. Get out of the pig pen and come into the house. There's a table prepared for you. You need to begin to taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, God, we need the revelation. Lord, I, Lord God, want a deeper revelation of the righteousness of God. I want to know, Father God, who I am in you and who you are in me. Lord, I bore the image of the man of dust, but my God, we will bear the image of the heavenly one. We are bearing the image of the heavenly one, Lord. I thank you, Father God, for your grace and goodness. Lord, I believe there's freedom in this house. I believe there's liberty in this house because the liberator is here. The joy bestower is here. Lord God, you have compassed land and sea. Lord God, every, every domain, Father God, you have trafficked through. Lord, to give us victory, Lord, today. Lord, your struggle was real and your sacrifice was real. And Lord God, you would not have resurrected, Lord God, on that third day. You would not have risen that third day if sin had any claim on you. But Lord, you gave yourself as a sacrifice so that we may live as the righteousness of God in you. Lord, I thank you today. I thank you today. Just lift your hands to the Lord right now. Mighty is the Lamb. Mighty is the King. Mighty is the Lord. Holy, holy, holy. Father, we wait upon you, Lord, right now. I believe right now in the midst of your people. those that have been struggling, Lord God, trying to fake the fullness, trying to just put on a brave front, put on a mask, has a smile on it, but deep inside a crushing knowing that they didn't ever believe that they measure up. Words that were spoken over to over them and the mistakes that were made. The pain, Father God, that was driven into them. Lord, I pray right now across this room, across this room, a true revelation of righteousness to begin to flood into their hearts. 
the true revelation of righteousness to flood into their hearts. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Mighty is the Lord. Hallelujah. Somebody in this house today, you are lost and away from God. You don't know exactly how you ended up here this morning, but you're here. And you're saying, I'm, I'm tired. I'm tired of the struggle. I'm ready to surrender. I want to give you an opportunity. As the worship team begins to sing, we're going to change the order of the service in just a moment. But you're here right now, and the Lord is saying, right now is your time. Right now is your time. Right now is your time. Time to surrender. Say, I'm surrendering all my past, present, and future. Lord, I'm giving you my whole heart. Lord, you became sin for me. Lord, I want to receive that gift of right standing with you. I surrender. Come on, right now. Worship team is playing. These altars are open. Come on. I want to meet with you. I want to pray with you as we close this service. Come on. Thank you, Lord.